And welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grunt. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics of the Bible. We follow the example of the Book of Acts Church. We do what they did, and I believe we can regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. Boy, does the world really need for us to do that right now. That's what the porch was born out of, a desire to get back to Solomon's porch, to get back to that community, that feeling of family, and that ability to move in the gifts and the power and preach the word and do the things that they did. I believe that's the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. We're dealing with that right now. You want to get information about us, go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can write us there. If you have a need, you can let us know. You can write us at the contact button there or email us at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. Praise reports, prayer requests, whatever it is, if we can help you, we will. See, we believe the church age is still in effect, and we're in this together. That's not a trite uh, saying. Each and every member of this community that has committed to pray for one another and band together. If you don't have that, join with us and we will we'll add you to the community. So welcome to all our listeners from all the various streaming platforms. Um, if you'd like to support us, that would be great. At firefalltalkradio.com, there's ways to do that. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, you do. We could We could use it. We appreciate it. It helps pay for all the various streaming sites that we're on. Not all of them are free. Trying to get the message out there. Trying to awaken the remnant so that we can shake the world one last time before the return of the king. Here on the podcast, especially when we're live, we start out praise reports and prayer requests. So first of all, I praise the Lord for my salvation. Without that, I don't have anything. I praise him for giving me back my family, the one I discarded and threw away. Thankful for my wife, for my sons, my daughter-in-laws, our uh, grandson, all of our furry kids. We've been blessed in that regard. We believe in taking care of his creation. Uh, I'm just believing that as we move forward each day, as we get closer to the end, His spirit is moving. The blessings are flowing. And so I'm thankful for all of that provision, protection, for allowing us to live out Joel 2.28, for the healing virtues which still are available to us. If you have a healing need right now in the name of Yeshua, whether it's heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, in Yeshua's name, be healed, be made whole. Let everything the enemy has done to you be removed and let you be restored and renewed. Praising him for favor, divine abiding favor, for revelation, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and guard us and guide us. Praising him that we're new creations in these prophetic times. We are living out prophecy since the day of Pentecost to the day Israel became a nation to now. We are living in a prophetic timeline. I believe he's giving us markers, signs that he's getting ready to return. I know some of you are like me. You say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. 
So let's get ready. Let's pray. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May may they prosper who love you. So I pray for Israel. I pray for its leadership, a vastly different leadership than the one they had before. Some of the decisions they're making are just like America. They're not good. So I pray for them. I pray for America. I pray that God would shed his mercy and his grace upon us, that he would protect his children. Uh, my brother Larry was given a word from, from the Lord that he would bring us through the fire. He would be with us in the fire, which is tremendous, very positive. But we can't miss the fact that he said we'd be in the fire. So let's pray. Praying for the people around the world that are pushing back and rebelling against the tyranny and things that are happening that I believe are the machinations of the spirit of the Antichrist. We must stay alert and awake. I spent 12 weeks on the armor of God. I'm praying that you've listened. I'm praying that you've absorbed it. And I'm praying that you are applying it. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted, those that are martyred, those that are poor in spirit, the innocents in and out of the womb, and the victims of injustice. That's what he would do, and that's what we do. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents. I pray against the bloodshed and evil that is perpetrated on God's creation, both human and animal. I pray for missing and exploited children, that they would be returned and that it would be stopped and that evil men would be put in jail, men and women. Praying for justice, for the victims of sex trafficking, for our brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted for their faith in Yeshua. Churches being burned down, houses being burned down, families being arrested or murdered. So far, we have it easy here in America. I don't know how much longer that will be, but compared to our brothers and sisters around the world, we have it very easy. Pay attention to the boldness of the Antichrist and the spirit of anti-Semitism and all the attacks upon the church and the various nations. I'm praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing as each and every one of us get back to our divine design. That's your prayer every day. Speak to your body. Speak to it not as it is, but as it should be. Tell your DNA, stop making damaged DNA. Stop making damaged cells and get back to its divine design. So I'm praying for healing and wholeness in each and every one of us so that we can do what we're called to do that we can serve the Father and be about his business, which means we need that Psalm 91 protection over each and every one of us, every member of our family, even down to the pets. Praying for inspiration, for the Holy Spirit to wake you up, guide us, teach us, give us divine revelation. Praying for the remnant. That's who I speak to. I don't speak to the church at large. They will never ask me to come in and speak to them. Lord showed me today in a time of prayer with my brother that there are people to wake up, there are people to train. I'll be honest with you, sometimes it gets very difficult, week to week for the last 11 years. 
sometimes in plenty, sometimes in lack. Right now we're going through a period of lack. And in the natural, it'd be real easy to quit. It'd be real easy to make an excuse for quitting. But then the Lord spoke to me today and said, keep waking them up one at a time if you have to. Prepare them for what is coming. So that's what we're doing. So I'm calling you to pray. I'm calling you to rise up. Answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know someone that's been blessed, tell them about the porch and firefall and SRD. Tell them about the documentary. Tell them about the teachings and the things that we're trying to do to prepare his children for the dark days ahead. That the doors would open to us. That every dream, every vision, every calling would be fulfilled in Yeshua's name. That our lost family members would come into the kingdom, be saved, healed, and delivered. Allison in Scotland, who, by the way, if we were playing Who Came the Farthest, who listened the farthest, she would probably win. I remember weeks ago she told us about her friend Stephen, and she asked for prayer for him. So continue to pray for him. First of all, to get saved. He's still not sleeping. The doctors have sent him to a therapy group. He's also got the stress of his sister-in-law not being well. Apparently, after getting the vaccine, she is um, blacking out. Low blood pressure, low temperature, and having an adverse reaction to sunlight and headache. So I want you to pray for Stephen to get saved and his sister to get healed and for him to see the glory of the Lord. I have a friend named Jane. She's out in California. Longtime friend. I've known her, I think, since 2000. So that's 21 years. Um, She's going through some struggles right now. She needs healing. She needs the Lord to restore her every part of the cell, every cell in her body. So I'm asking you to pray for Jane out in California. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she always gives a greeting, says she's doing well, grateful for her salvation and her recovery. She's thankful that her son is heading off to college next week, but her heart is hurting because he's leaving home. So she's asking for us to help her and pray for her and for the Father to help her through this. He says, I praise you that I get to experience this with him sober and that I can be who he needs me to be. That's really what it's all about. She says, I praise you, Father, that you get to see my children grow up and for the relationship we have. None of this would be possible without you. Looking back at the life I was living before I knew you, Lord, it was like a hamster running in circles. In a hamster wheel, you gave me peace and serenity. She's asking for the Father to protect her family and her and each and every one of us every day. She says, thank you. She knows her children, like we all do, are only borrowed. He puts them in our care. We get to raise them and have them as our own, but they belong to him. So praying that they find their way back to him. Father, protect them and guide them. Provide the means we need for Maurice's tuition. I want to stop right now. Father, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of cattle. Nothing is too difficult for you. Each and every day, I praise you for what you've told me is coming. So, Father, I'm praying that you send what's necessary for Kim to meet that tuition need. Uh, Asking for her daughter's skin to be healed completely. Protect her. She starts middle school. And little Sean starts pre-K. Wow. 
So bless us and favor us, Lord, as well as the porch families. Teach me and guide me, Father, and protect innocent souls and animals in Jesus' name. Now, before we start, I want to read a scripture that ties into what I'm going to be talking about. Psalm 97, starting with verse 9, be amplified. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the souls of his godly ones, believers. He rescues them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like a seed for the righteous and illuminates their path. And irrepressible joy is spread for the upright in heart who delight in his favor and protection. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones, those who, whose moral and spiritual integrity places them in right standing with God. In other words, you are righteous. Praise and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. So, Father, we boldly approach that throne of grace and mercy. Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. I pray each and every person listening understands you as Abba, as Father, as Papa. I pray that they would know you intimately, personally. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for making a way when there seemed to be no way. For undoing everything Adam did. And restoring us into right relationship with you, which you did. By asking your only begotten son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, to die in our place. To shed every drop of blood to pay for our debts, a debt we never would have been able to pay. So, Lord, we thank you right now. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. We ask you to bless this technology. Bless our time together. Protect each and every one of us. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, clear our minds right now. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. Claiming the mind of Messiah, we cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of Elion God Most High, our Father. Have you a way, Holy Spirit. Do as you will. Let this word go forth. Let your intentions be fulfilled. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So this study tonight is called High and Lifted Up. And it might be a rant as much as it is a teaching. So if I go off-road, as I call it, and um, let loose, buckle up, get prepared. Go with me to Isaiah 6, starting with verse 1. I'm going to set the stage for what I want to rant, I mean talk to you about. Isaiah 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah the prophet said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne 
high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. He is high and lifted up. That should always be our refrain when we see him. Yes, we know him personally. Yes, we have intimacy with him. But he is the God of all creation, the Lord of all the earth, King of kings, Lord of lords. We should always be in awe of him. The King James Study Bible notes says in chapter 6, Isaiah recounts his original call to the prophetic ministry, dating it from the year that King Uzziah died, which was 740 B.C. And with the death of godly Uzziah, Judah's golden age was fast slipping away. Boy, that sounds familiar. No human leader appeared on the scene to reverse the decadence that had begun during Uzziah's final years of isolation due to leprosy. At this crucial hour, the prophet's attention was turned to God himself, the true sovereign in the affairs of men. The train he referring to are the royal robes that just flowed off of him. The seraphim, the burning ones, six-winged angelic creatures that continually flew in the presence of God, declaring his holiness, holy, 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 a threefold declaration of the personality and the in the, the majesty of Almighty God, and three times holy suggestion to the Trinity. The throne of heaven mentioned in Revelation 4 verse 2. See all these tied together. I'm going to paint the picture for you before I begin to lay out what I want to talk about. Revelation 4 starting with verse 1. This is the Apostle John. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. 
The four living creatures each had six wings, full of eyes all around and within, and they did not they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Are you getting a sense of the worship? Are you getting a sense of the majesty of these 24 elders who know him personally, 12 from his life, the 24 from eternity, they cannot but help to worship him. The one who created all things. John 1, verses 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Yeshua, was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him and without him. Nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, could not overcome it. Colossians 1.16 For by him, Yeshua, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Finally, Hebrews 1, 2, that he has in these days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Plural. The entire universe spoken into existence at the beginning of time. The voice that said, let there be Yeshua. That's why he is high and lifted up. That's why he is the Lord of all creation. The God of all the earth. Everything is under his feet. How did we lose that? I'm going to tell you how we lost that. But let me take you to Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. As I make my case for who he is and who he should be and how we should see him. When Yeshua came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, and he's asking you this same question, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Yeshua answered and said to him, because blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. That revelation of who he is comes from the Father through the Holy Spirit. He went on to say, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now remember where he is. Caesarea Philippi, the utmost borders of the land of Canaan, northward, situated at the foot of Mount Hermon, the place where the watchers fell in Genesis 6, became the proclamation of who Yeshua is and the cornerstone on which the church is built. A church that the Lord promised to preserve and secure, so solidly built that the gates of Hades, the underworld, shall not prevail against it. Not against the truth, not against the church on which that truth is built upon. We are living stones around the chief cornerstone. But that clearly indicates that there's an enemy out there whom we must resist and fight back, that will attempt to ruin and overthrow it, which is what they have done for all these years. The gates of Hades, the city of hell. And remember, I taught you many, many, many months ago, many moons ago, that on Mount Hermon is the grotto of Pan. Many believe the doorway to the underworld. Whether it is or not, I don't know, but I'd like to go there and find out. I'd take, like to take the team there and see what's going on there, especially on that mountain. Hades, the place of the departed souls. Now, this is not Sheol. This is where the outer darkness would be, the abode of the dead. And that Greek verb for prevail means to overpower or to surpass. Well, folks, where is that? Where's that power? Where is that ability to surpass the kingdom of darkness? The kingdom of hell and death. We've overcome it. He's overcome it. Why are we still living the way we're living? The foundation stone was the revelation that Peter gave, that he was the son of the living God, the Messiah. That's what the church is built upon. That's what we stand upon. That's the rock that holds us securely in place. 1 Peter 2, starting with verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected and dated by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also each and every one of you, as living stones, being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, and to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus the Messiah. Therefore it's also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him shall by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This massive rock formation that Messiah is, he has built his church upon it. That Peter's confession that Yeshua, the Son of the living God, And that each and every one that came, those 12 and every one that came after it would be stones in a church that was being built on that confession. See, that's the confession 
That's the cornerstone, who he is. Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua at Nazareth, the, 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 the living son of God. That's what we're built upon. We're not built upon men. We're not built upon women. We're not built upon denominations or anything of this world. We need to get our confession right. Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him, I will also deny. (coughs) Excuse me. But him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That word confess means to assent, make covenant with, acknowledge. To deny is to contradict, to disavow, to reject. To refuse. I submit to you that the church today who claims it is for him in his name are living in denial. John 12, starting verse 23, the hour, this is Yeshua speaking. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor now my soul is my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thunders, thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Yeshua said, The voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying but what death he would die. Yeshua said, If I am lifted up, so from beyond time, outside of time, to that day in history, to this day, he is high and lifted up. Or at least he was. Something has happened. Something that disturbs me greatly. Dr. Everett Piper for the Washington Times on July 25th, 2021, wrote an article entitled, America's New Religion, Fake Christianity. Let me read just a couple of sections to you. 
Earlier this month, the Western Journal reported that, quote, the American church has fallen. Shocking poll shows fake Christianity has supplanted the biblical worldview. Writing for the journal, Rachel Bratton said this, American Christianity has fallen thanks to cultural corrosion and a lack of biblical literacy a new fake Christianity is now being preached within the American church. She goes on to say this counterfeit religion is moralistic, therapeutic deism, a worldview that has quickly gained prominence and given many Americans a theology that looks nothing like historical Christianity, despite what they may claim. She then goes on to cite the recent work of George Barna, whose February survey showed that moralistic therapeutic deism, MTD, watered-down, feel-good, fake Christianity, is the most popular worldview in the United States today. Christianity in this nation is rotting from the inside out, Barna said. MTD is essentially what I would call fake Christianity. It has some Christian elements in it, but it's not really biblical. It's not really Christian. So what is MTD exactly? And you know you've seen it. You've heard it from your maybe your sons and your daughters who are out there in the world being influenced by it. This is what it is. It's the moralistic perspective that we're here to be good people and to try to do good. The therapeutic aspect is everything is supposed to be geared towards making me feel good about myself, ultimately to make me happy. Deism is the idea that God created the world but has no direct involvement in it. Basically, according to MTD, I keep wanting to say STD, but I'll say MTD, there is a distant God who just... STD, satanically transmitted disease. There is a distant God who just wants everyone to be nice. And the purpose of life is to be happy. American Christians have adopted... (laughs) Sorry, I'm still thinking about STD. Rewind. American Christians who have adopted this philosophy have elevated personal definitions of right and wrong above any objective standard of truth like the Bible. The article says, and there you have it. America's religion is no longer that of the apostles, the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints, Jude verse 3. Nor is our nation's guiding ethos that of our founding fathers who proclaimed, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often, that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was Patrick Henry. The faith that motivates Americans today is not the singular faith proclaimed by John Wesley, quote, you must be singular or be damned, or the confident faith of St. Paul that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Nor is it the creedal conviction of the early church. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. No, 
the contemporary church's faith isn't even anchored in the bold exclusivity of Jesus himself, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. America's new religion isn't anything this stable, this historical, this enduring, this deep, or this true. The Christian apologist Frank Tourette recently said, Some people call themselves progressive Christians when they're neither progressive nor Christian because they disagree with Jesus on several significant issues. They disagree with Jesus on sex. They disagree with Jesus on the Bible. They disagree with Jesus on heaven and hell. They disagree with Jesus on his atonement. So why would they call themselves a Christian? Because they've been fooled. They've been lied to. They've been mesmerized. They've been deceived by Hasatan. They don't have enough word in them to bear any fruit. They've been feeding on pablum or pre-chewed food or false teaching of too many false prophets, P-R-O-F-I-T-S, out there. People are getting their ears tickled. They're following people instead of following the Lord. They're setting their eyes on men and women and telling you what so-and-so said this or so-and-so said that. I could care less what they said. I listen only to the Lord and his word. John 10, verse 7. This is Yeshua speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Unfortunately, Lord, some who have come after you. But the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he was not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and he does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. So that hired man, the one that's there for the wages, the one that's in it for the money, is neither a sheep nor the owner of the sheep. And when he sees the wolf coming, when he sees the demons coming, when he sees the kingdom of darkness coming, he's going to desert the flock and run away. And the wolf is going to snatch the sheep and scatter them. He runs because he's hired help. He serves only for the wages. And he's not concerned about the safety of his sheep. He said, Richard, why are you so agitated? I'm a a sheepdog of the great shepherd, among many of the other titles I have for him. I'm a sheepdog. When the sheep get in trouble, he sends me, sends the team. We go rescue them. We deal with the predators that have stolen them and hurt them. I serve the shepherd. I'm at his behest. My life is his. And I love his flock. 
and I am deeply grieved by seeing how easily deceived his flock is. They've been deceived by the hirelings, the worthless shepherds, the false teachers. They've been deceived and they're being set up for the wolves. John fourteen six. I, the Lord says, am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He is the only way to God. He is the real truth, the real life, and no one can come to the Father but through him. So then why are we getting to the Father through other people who stand on a stage, light, smoke, mirrors, microphones? How did we get here? I'm going to tell you how we got here. Because man became the person high and lifted up. We have elevated people into our sight line. When we should be seeing him and looking at him, we're looking to other people to tell us what God is doing. We're looking to other people to give us a new revelation. If you remember last year, we talked about the book Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola and George Bonner. If you have the guts, you should read it. These are some of the sections that I had saved from the book, Pagan Christianity. The earliest sermons were delivered from the bishop's chair or cathedra, which was positioned behind the altar. Later, the ambo, A-M-B-O, as it was called, was a raised desk on the side of the chancel from which Bible lessons were read, became the place where sermons were delivered. If you know some of the older Protestant churches, and even in some Catholic churches, there's that elevated area to the left where they stand up there, everybody can see them. So they're not staring at the back of somebody else's head or their bad hairdo. And and I guess they would come in handy with the people that put their hair in a bun. The Encyclopedia of Early Early Christianity says, Ambo is the Latin term for pulpit. It was derived from ambon, A-M-B-O-N, which means crest of a hill. Most ambos were elevated and reached by steps. It was taken from the Jewish synagogue. However, it has its earliest roots in the reading desk and platforms of Greco-Roman antiquity. That book will show you how much of what we do in the church is based upon the Greco-Roman theater. John Chrysostom, 347 to 407-407, was noted for making the ambo a place of preaching. As early as 250 A.D., the ambo was replaced by the pulpit. Cyprian of Carthage, 200-258, speaks of placing the leader of the church into the pulpit office upon the pulpitum. The word pulpit is derived from the Latin word pulpitum. Now get ready. Pulpitum means a stage. The pulpit was propped up in the highest elevated place in the congregation. 
by 252 A.D., Cyprian declared it as the sacred and venerated congestum of the clergy. Are you getting it? Are you seeing it? With the Reformation, it became the central piece of furniture in the church building. The pulpit symbolized the replacement of the centrality of ritualistic action, i.e. the Mass, with clerical verbal instruction, the sermon. The pulpit has always been the centerpiece of the Protestant church. I almost didn't want to read this quote, but I will. Couldn't find out who said it. But a well-known Christian pastor who spoke during a conference sponsored by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association claimed, If the church is alive, it's because the pulpit is alive. If the church is dead, it's because the pulpit is dead. I, I don't know who you are, but I'd like to find you and say, Eh, wrong answer. Thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. What the pulpit has done, what the stage has done, has elevated the clergy to a position of prominence. True to its meaning, it puts the preacher at center stage, separating him and placing him above God's people, directly in your sight line to the Lord on the throne. You cannot see the Lord unless you look through the preacher. Now, I had this revelation back in the 90s when the Lord rebuked me because of my relationship with my spiritual father and showed me that my relationship with the Lord was based upon my relationship with Shelley, that I saw the Lord through Shelley and I had to see the Lord alone. For what? He is high and lifted up. Church historian Rodney Stark says, For too long, historians have accepted the claim that the conversion of Emperor Constantine, supposedly between 285 and 337, which there is no direct proof of that conversion, by the way, caused the triumph of Christianity. To the contrary, Stark says, he destroyed its most attractive and dynamic aspects, turning a high-intensity grassroots movement into an arrogant institution controlled by an elite who often managed to be both brutal and lax. Constantine's, quote, favor was his decision to divert to the Christians the massive state funding on which the pagan temples had always depended. He emptied the home churches into the basilicas, and if there weren't enough, they built more. Those giant, artistic, garish monstrosity and killed the free flow of the Holy Spirit. Now, who, who would have been the driving force behind such efforts? Who would benefit from doing what I just described to you? 
putting preachers up on stage, creating a stage, changing the atmosphere on which the Book of Acts Church was birthed and grew for over 200 years. The Holy Spirit? No. Absolutely not. An unholy spirit. Satan himself. He benefits from that. He wants us to set our sights on man and not on the Lord because he knows he can control someone who does that. He can manipulate them. He can deceive them. If that man or that woman falls, then the the flock gets scattered. Their faith gets weakened. Oh, I know some of you sit in these places. It's the way it's always been. It's what you know. It's your traditions. It's how you grew up. You can't imagine it else. Oh, I don't, I don't do that, Richard. Well, you know what my prayer is? My prayer is he destroys it all. I had a dream about a month ago. And in that dream, I was in a church, probably a, a modest Protestant church, maybe sat four or 500 people, three banks of rows. There was a stage, a pulpit, risers for the choir, the whole bit. Some event was going on. I don't really know. I was standing in the back. I was an observer. I was not participating. And when the event was over, all the speakers and leaders and the people who sponsored it came back, and they were talking and breaking their arm, patting themselves on the back about how great it was. And then they made mistake in the dream to ask me what I thought. <laughs> One of the things, things I had to do is I waved my arm towards the stage. And I said, all of this has to go away. I'm saying right here, right now, July 28th, 2021. This man-made creation has to go away. Right now, it's in, a, it's in disarray. It's a mess. It's too caught up in who sits in the White House instead of who sits on the throne. It's too caught up in everything but the Great Commission. Getting people saved, healed, and delivered, plundering the kingdom of darkness. It's too caught up in everything but the worship of the Son of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua. We've elevated men and women to places they never should have been put in. I remember one time when the Lord was teaching me this back in Tallahassee. He just very quietly, calmly said to me, every time you put one of those up on a pedestal, you're daring me to knock them off. For I will be worshipped, and I will share my glory with no one. We have to stop superstar Christianity. If you are one of those people that scurry from YouTube to here and to there to see what so-and-so is saying so that you know what God is doing, if you have elevated men and women to a position of prominence, no matter who they are, I'm calling you to repent. I'm calling you to get back to your first love. I'm calling the Holy Spirit right now to convict you and correct you 
and pull you back to where you need to be. Because in the days ahead, we're going to be the lights in the darkness. When the church, the American church, collapses in on the weight of itself, and out of that dust come sheep who have no shepherd, they need to be returned to the true flock. There need to be people willing to go search them out. People willing to help them. You need to know this word. This word needs to get in you. That's why I do what I do. That's why I give you all this teaching week after week after week to get into you. So that when the time comes, if there's no internet, or you don't have access, or you haven't downloaded all the teachings, which are free, and you're able to do that. This word is in you. It has taken root. It will come back to your remembrance, even if you don't remember I was the person who said it. Because it's not about me, it's about him. It will never be about me. Probably part of the reason this ministry barely gets by, and then sometimes doesn't. Because I won't promote, I won't market, I won't do all the things that everybody else does because it's not about me, it's about him. He is high and lifted up. The Lord of all creation, he is high and lifted up. The God of all the earth, creator, redeemer. We live our life, Lord, to worship you. If, if you agree with me, if you want what I'm talking about, if, if it has stirred something inside of you to get back to that first love, to get back to that worship and desire of him, I want you to download this and write it down. He is high and lifted up. The Lord of all creation, high and lifted up. The God of all the earth, creator, redeemer. I live my life, Lord, to worship you. Holy Spirit, help me. Sear this into their minds and spirits. Help those that have wandered off or been attracted to the grass on the other side of the fence. Come home to the true shepherd. And for all those that have wandered away and don't even know it, Lord, I pray right now their eyes would open. I pray that something would stir inside of them and they'd realize that what they're hearing's not right, what they're feeling's not right, what they're seeing is not right. A man or a woman is being lifted up. A man or a woman has put their name up in lights, selling merchandise, shirts, hats, whatever, with their name on it. Someone who didn't die for them. Someone whose blood would not redeem them. Give them the vision of the throne room. Of the 24 elders. Of the angels. Holy, holy, holy. 
brothers and sisters, we're we're in a we're in a dark time right now. And I know everybody told you it's going to be okay. Some people have told you that it's going to be okay. Well, of course it will be because God's in control, but He's allowing certain things to happen. He told me the beginning of the year that He was going to tear down, root up, and rebuild. We haven't even entered the tear-down phase yet. Those first two phases are very uncomfortable, very tumultuous. But he will get us into the rebuilding phase. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more so, but we still have to face the fact that sin does abound. When it gets darker, we get brighter, but we got to burn. We have to hold on. We have to praise, we have to worship, we have to stand, and we must keep our eyes on him. I told you this would be as much a Bible study as a rant, but it's coming from my heart. Because I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with everything that is within me. And I stand for him and I stand with him. And I stand against anybody that would try to do harm to the flock or steal his worship or get into his sight line. I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grunt. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.